I really want it to be 80s newscaster music. This show is not allied with any sect, denomination, political entity, organization, or institution. Does not engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any cause. Neither do we. We are not affiliated with Al-Anon or any other 12-step program. The opinions expressed here are strictly of the person who gave them. Please take what you like and leave the rest. So let's get current, Claire. What have you been up to uh, this week or two weeks since we last met? Oh, my God. Corey. Um, yes. Whew, I, fuck, can somebody time me? Because I got a lot to say. No, um, let's I, just rein it in. I'll just rein it, it Okay, okay, I'll do my best. Um so much has happened. I went on a, a trip. Wow. What do mm-hmm. I want to say? I really want to say that I've been like prioritizing myself. What? And it's uncomfortable sometimes, but I'm fucking doing it. So I like, le- I had spoken previously in an episode and like about, and in getting current, I think the last one that I was like getting ready to leave a job that I was at for a couple of years. And, um, and I left and then, you know, I went on, took myself on a trip after mm. I left. I was like, what? Okay. You know, um, a week of not having income and I, and I, I like from anywhere, but I'm going to like spend money. Whoa. And like, you know, I just set myself up so differently in life these days. I'm just like really ready to like live my fucking life. I'm like so done with like living life for other people, which is really fucking mm. cool. It's crazy. And I just like feel it in my body and I don't have to be like mean about it, which is so nice too. You know, I get to say what I mean, mean what I say and not say it mean, actually kind of say it nice. And, um, <laughs> yeah, you just get to like say it nice. Cause like, why not be loving and kind, you know, doesn't it only, I only feel better when I'm loving and kind. So I went on this beautiful mm-hmm. trip to Santa Fe and like did some physical distancing, um, COVID safe hangness with some dear friends of mine I've known for about my whole life and went horseback riding and just like got in touch with nature. Um, And then I started last week, my new source of income job that is a passion, but is not my greatest passion. Um, But like doing this and like being, Partnering up with a business owner and becoming my own business owner essentially is going to allow me to really like have time and energy to do what I really like my biggest, greatest dream and like give it a real fucking Mm. shot, you know, like really fucking just do that for myself. And like if I fall on my fucking face and nobody likes my work, like fuck them, that's fine. But I've got to do it for myself and um, and I want to do it for myself, you know. Yeah. So yeah, all that. And I was in a dirt hole today. I told you earlier, digging a foundation for a really beautiful deck I'm going to be building. And yeah, I just had a fun fucking day and there's some weird like stuff going on with our landlord and our apartment and like whatever. I was stressed about it, but now I like don't even fucking care because I can't control people, places and things and I don't need to. And that's just where I'm at. So that's my currentness of getting for you i love it i feel like you also went to like an etiquette school to learn about cussing <laughs> because you definitely definitely upped your cussing game while you were in arizona so or new mexico i don't know what goes on in new mexico but it's f-bombs for sure um i mean i love an f-bomb as you know but that was that was a lot of them so i appreciate that um <laughs> you know i'll put a disclaimer at the front of this particular <laughs> particular episode Claire- Claire went batshit <laughs> f-bombing throughout the opening <laughs> of this episode. NC seventeen. I personally don't understand why people have issues with cussing or why people are offended by it. It's just a word, but it is interesting when it's uh, when it's a lot. Um, I am currently uh, in Narnia, I guess, like a winter wonderland of iced over Portlandia. Um, and been a, sort of a maybe mild seasonal affective disorder. You know, I've never been to winter. <laughs> that's or, true. That's or right. Or lived through. Well, I've been to winter. I've visited winter. Uh-huh. But I am actually living through my first long-term winter. It's awful sometimes. Um, and I've been, well, I've been really enjoying it. Um, but I think it might, that lack of light might be mildly taking its toll. And I um, I oh, got sure. these like, sad, sad lamps preemptively. Um <laughs> 
but I don't know, maybe that or just pandemic and all the good stuff. Like I had a, a run of, of just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be in bed if you need mm. me. Um, and really kind of honoring that, you know, letting that pass through me, letting it be what it needed to be, trying not to judge it, trying not to judge, not showing up for my partner in an energetic way. Yeah. Um, and feeling, you know, I'm hyperproductive during the day because I have to be with work and work is great. And like, it's so easy, does it. And all the things I've wanted are coming about and it's so wonderful. And it still makes me kind of want to go back to bed uh, at the end of the night, although I feel much better today. So I do feel lately when I can remove judgment, add love, well, not lately in general, and then actually kind of like let it be. Mm-hmm. It passes. It generally passes a lot faster, but there's always with depression, right? Like people struggle with depression in this program. There's always this fear if you, you know, let it have a little too much leash. That's that, right. Uh, that For it me could anyway. maybe be detrimental. Um, and I don't know that it didn't happen this time. We'll see. But yeah, winter. So if uh, if those of you are going through winter out there, I feel you. And we had an ice storm. And then we could hear all the ice like falling and melting oh, that's and beautiful. cracking everywhere. Yeah. It's really kind of like new experiences for me, really. Because um, I grew up in the Southwest or the Southeast. I don't know what you want to call Texas. And then moved South to South Middle. Angeles, so South Middle. Like I lived on the Gulf of Mexico. It's just and called the, the Pacific South. Ocean. I think it's just. You know, Texas considers itself its own thing. It, it doesn't always think it's part of the South. When we think of the South, we think of Alabama or something. Oh, but anyway. Oh, okay. So I haven't done this whole winter thing. So I'm very excited. Um, yeah, that's me. That's what I've been up to. It's not terribly exciting here. We just uh, we hide from a deadly disease and we do some work. It's really fun. <sighs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and we go hiking. Mm-hmm. Best mm-hmm. we can. Um, but all of those, Claire, I don't know if you know this, but almost everything we talked about was an outside <laughs> issue. And today. Was it? I, Were they? Yes. Oh well, my. a lot of it was. You know, work and. I know. I kept my stuff. jobs anonymous, except for I just said I was going to build a deck. So, I mean, <laughs> guess I mean what? It's it- an outside issue in a negative way. I mean, Technically, we're going to look at outside issues tonight. I love today, it. Whatever, whatever you're looking at, and that was my really smooth transition to our. I know. I was just trying to fuck it up for you. Oh well, thanks for ruining it. You're welcome. Um, pretty typical. Okay, so for outside issue, uh, we actually have a guest with us today who we both know and enjoy, and his name is Charlie. Welcome to Crosstalk, Charlie. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. <laughs> so love, good to love have you. <laughs> love outside issues. Um, <laughs> well, uh, Charlie, I think you were going to talk about one specific outside issue, and I thought maybe you could introduce that. Um, I think you've heard the pod, so you know the drill. Um, but we can't wait to hear what you have to share with us today and then cross off the hell out of it. Oh, awesome. Cool. Yeah, sounds good. So, um how do you want your time charlie yeah let's do a five and then a two minute warning i don't have a plan it just sounds like planch man parse it out (laughs) great yeah Yeah. the the outside issues i always stumble on like in meetings and stuff are always things like um you know movies and and uh song you know things that that i'm like oh my god that's just like what happened the plot twist in this movie that da, 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 da. <laughs> i always have to bite my tongue on those things so they might just fly out today without the without the edit <laughs> button um yeah so um yeah other outside issues are really coming up for me now um so this is my um the anniversary of my fourth year in al-anon and oh. um you know, over over time, different different aspects of myself sort of come 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 up that I become aware of, or that you know I, I I become aware of, and they sort of slowly start changing in one way or the other. And um, recently, those seem to 
kind of be wrapped around things within my relation to myself in relation to my sexuality and sex and and uh, identity and those those kinds of things um and i think you know part of why they took four years to come up really <laughs> is that you know i wasn't dating for a lot of that time i came in after a um long relationship so i came into Al-Anon four years ago after separating you know, four months before that from my husband that I had been with for 23 years and um, was just really, you know, and, and, and we, we separated because it, it, I just, it was really too painful for me to watch him try to kill himself every day. And at that point, his, um, you know, substance and alcohol use was, was really at that level. Um, and so I, I uh, asked him to move out, and we separated. And and um, we were, you know, we were in therapy, and another outside issue. We were in therapy at the time, and um, he had a really easy time with it, and I didn't. I had a really really hard time with it. Um, so I came into Al-Anon. And so, of course, like my sexuality, you know, there was no dating on the scene. There was nothing really kind of uh, very present for me in any real way for a long time. Um, Although, you know, towards the end of my relationship, um, there were a lot of kind of sexuality issues going on where where for a while it was kind of how I was um, looking to find... um, you know, tenderness and, and, and love and, you know, what felt like these things sort of, sort of using kind of sexuality to get comfort and, and other things like that towards the very end of my relationship. And then I came into Al-Anon and, um, had to kind of learn a lot about how I got there and, um, you know, about recovering myself and learning again, kind of learning again about who I am. And a lot in my, you know, fourth and eighth and ninth steps were about how I abandoned myself, you know, how I, how I really um, was very quick to abandon myself in order to feel safe and not abandoned by other people in my life. And, um, you know, one of the ways in my adult life that that became really clear was that I, I would abandon myself um, in my sexuality and, you know, as a kid would abandon any kind of um, awareness around that and becoming aware of that on, 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 on different levels throughout those steps of, of kind of getting a, getting a, a realistic picture of who I am and what these things mean and I was also, you know, really growing up in in my adolescence, I totally foreclosed on my sexual adolescence by getting hyper-religious and being um, really heavily involved in this this kind of missionary group uh, and uh, traveled the world, you know, as a missionary, basically. uh, um, (laughs) And uh, so really avoided kind of learning about myself as I was, you know, developing, going through adolescence with hormones and all the rest of it by having this really powerful focus elsewhere. And part of my um, reclaiming of myself, you know, from that journey, from that detour, I guess, was about rejecting um, you know, religion and God and all these things really powerfully and claiming my sexuality um, really powerfully. That's five. But, thank you, Claire. That's a, that's, that's a good time for me to shift. Um, really powerfully, but at the same time, not that authentically, because it was more of a reaction to the um, kind of oppressed sexuality that I was raised with and that I chose, you know, that I, that I kind of was like, Oh, I'd rather just clamp it all down than have any sense of what's really going on inside of me. 
even though um, I was very aware from a very young age of my um, proclivities, my fantasies, my identifying so much more um, with my female friends and getting all tongue-tied and nervous and, you know, squirrely around my male friends and my my older brother's male friends and things like that. Um, but anyway, my point is that, you know, as part of kind of a, an attempt to reclaim my identity, I really... Um, and it, and it was it was useful. It was helpful. It really did do the you know broke away from from kind of the trap that I felt I was in through religion, um, and allowed me to sort of claim a new identity. It really it, it was helpful. But again, it wasn't that authentic. It wasn't really that genuine and coming from me as much as a reaction to something else. And for me in Al-Anon, also similarly reclaiming a connection, a spiritual connection with a spiritual power greater than myself, you know, outside of myself was kind of the same way. I had to, I had to absolutely deconstruct the religious concept of that, that I wanted so badly and worked so hard for as an adolescent in order to start from scratch. And so the first part of my Al-Anon journey really was kind of focused there. Um, you know, a lot of the, the, the steps sort of start you there. <laughs> and, um, and that took some time, but I really felt the, the satisfaction of taking on that goal, that responsibility of, of, of determining my own sense of that spiritual connection. Um, and now, you know, a couple of years later, a few years later, I feel like I'm, I'm in there with my sexuality, the same thing, kind of rebuilding it, from a more authentic place, which involves deconstructing what I participated in or, or sort of claimed or kind of identified with before in order for it to be kind of a more natural expression or identity around, you know, romantic relationships, sexuality, sex, love, how to be a partner to somebody, how to be a boyfriend to somebody. You know, it's I get a, I get a huge kick out of using the term boyfriend at the age of 52, it really does give me quite a little bit of glee around that. And I've got a boyfriend. And um, um, and now we're at the point in our relationship, my boyfriend and I. <laughs> Two minutes. Uh, thank you, Claire. Two minutes. Where what how we're learning to be with one another. And for me, I can't speak for him, but for me, it's also about how I'm learning about who I am, like how I'm learning about being, being with myself in relation to this person, which needs to be so entirely different than the way that I was in relation to myself with my, my ex, um, with my husband of so many years, which was all about putting the focus on him and denying and, and um, shirking my responsibility for my own life and, and my own choices and myself. And now I'm kind of traversing that on a, on a more intimate level and more intimate. I only mean not than my husband, but more intimate than it was at the beginning. Now that we're going on, you know, 18, 19 months or whatever, how long it's been. Um, the topics that come up are kind of more deeply associated with or connected to my sexual identity um, and a lot of my previous was about sort of this, this heteronormative sense of like, this is what a relationship is. And, you know, I was, I was kind of trying to recreate my parents and now I have no interest in that. I'm, I'm, but I still get anxious when it's like, oh my God, we're not recreating my parents' life, you know, at this point. And, and so it's bringing up these questions for me that are about redefining re-identifying and that requires a lot of letting go and being in the unknown and being being in the uncertainty of like well I don't know what that means and what does that mean that I don't know what that means and can I is it okay or is it just too fucking scary and I I don't really um you know get excited about that so so um for me right now major outside issue that's really kind of floating around for me in my head and in my life and in my relationships to myself and to my higher power and to this guy that I'm dating is uh, really about, you know, who, who am I as a gay man who wants to be with another, you know, gay man? And what does that look like and feel like? And how do we, how do we express that? Um, 
you know, one of my major defenses or, or superpowers is being totally stoic and, and still, and I can like prevent scary things from happening by just freezing in time and not taking any responsibility for any actions. And that doesn't really work very well in this new relationship that I'm in. And so I'm, I'm exploring and looking for the discovering other, other options and, you know, just digging into the dipping into the higher power. Well of, you know, courage to change the things I can and uh, willingness to turn things over and release my grip and be okay. And then not knowing and allow these things to, to, you know, be revealed to me, be shown to me and trust that there's a plan. My higher power has got this and knows where this is going and um, I can I can follow along. So, yeah, no movie references came out in that and I didn't talk about my job. <laughs> or anything like that, but yeah, there's... Um, that's there's uh, that's the 10, just so you know, yeah. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Charlie. That was that was really wonderful. I'm very brave, I think, to talk mm-hmm. about that. And um, you know, I remember when you came into the rooms, and I remember how much pain you were in, and um, really just you you really had a very quick rise to recovery. I, I, you really took to it from my from my vantage point. So I was always really admir- admiring how quickly you got in. It took me so many years of listening before I I feel like I got to where you were at. So always admired your recovery. Um, and I think it's interesting that sexuality is an outside issue. We were looking, I was looking in the literature and I mean, I I guess sexuality isn't an outside issue. I guess sexual orientation might be an outside issue. Um, and I guess I'm curious everyone's thoughts on that. When I was looking through the literature, we were just finding, you know, sex and intimacy and really not that many references to it, frankly. Um, which I thought was interesting. Um, but I'm curious you know, first of all, I mean, I guess, how often do you talk about your sexuality? Do you feel comfortable talking about it um, in the rooms? Do you prefer partner? Do you like to keep it more anonymous? Like how much, how do you walk that line? And, and is it important to you even to walk that line? Um, yeah, I don't think that I, ta- I mean, honestly, I don't think I'm a good judge. I don't know. People might have a very different perspective of how often I talk about it. <laughs> Certainly when I came in, I was talking about my husband all the time. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah, I came in, you know, broke I was grieving so hard and did not, I wanted to be doing anything but grieving. <laughs> I was grieving so hard for so long. Um, so no, I mean, I, I, I don't, um, consciously use like, like vague pronouns or anything when I'm talking about the person I'm with. Uh, you know, I used husband when I talked about, you know, my ex and, um, it's, and I don't, you know, intentionally, I think I, you know, I, I, I led a meeting recently and that was the first time I actually talked about it as a topic, you know, as a, and, um, Yeah. I mean, I didn't even go to a GLBTQ themed or meeting, um, for the first two years of my recovery. I Mm. didn't even sort of seek that out or, um, I, you know, I think there's part, you know, part of it is like in, in my homogenous group or whatever differences are even more painful. Like one of the things that was so hard about my marriage was that it was my chosen family you know, that I, I had mm. very little trouble kind of walking away from my birth family in a sense. And I'm very close with them now, thank goodness. Um, it's something I'm, I'm so grateful for. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's part of that like identity phase where some, I had to take some time away, you know, uh, well, maybe you don't know, <laughs> I had to take some time away. And um, then it was so painful that the family that I chose, the one that I sort of put all my eggs in that particular basket kind of ended well, shifted, changed. It didn't end, but it moved out of that family um, marriage anyway. Mm-hmm. Claire, how do you um, feel about that as a quote unquote outside issue? And, and how do you approach it? I'm curious. Sure. I mean, it's so interesting. Also, Charlie, when you were saying like that you didn't seek out an, uh, you know, LGBTQ meeting until like, that was literally the first meeting I went to. (laughs) 
and I looked for one because I was so scared to go to Al-Anon in the beginning anyway. I was so afraid. I was like, well, at least one thing I know about myself is that I'm fucking gay and I'm fucking going to a meeting with these other fucking gay people. And I am saying fuck a lot today. You know, it just, <laughs> it just is. It just is. This is that kind of day. It's just that kind of, I'm, so, I'm so tired. Um, this is a, a hashtag unfiltered Claire because uh, usually I'm really censored, guys. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, this is a tricky one for me because I think that, you know, the thing that goes hand in hand with an outside issue for me or like the uh, antithesis or of it, it, it would be like um, anonymity, right? Mm-hmm. Like anonymity is keeping everything about anonymous and in doing that it isn't possible to bring an outside issue to the forefront it's possible to talk about the things without talking about an outside issue right so like even just saying like I've, you know, used program really helped me seek outside help. Like that isn't talking about the outside issue. That's me saying I'm maybe going to a therapist. Like who knows, you know, like I was feeling emotionally unstable and because of Al-Anon I was able to, you know. So it's interesting because I think that so much of anonymity for me really helps me show up as my best self in a meeting. And also like I've learned how to use it in the world and it's just I'm incredibly freeing in so many ways. And at the same time, you know, we have open, openly registered, I should say, um, to be clear as to what I'm trying to say, meetings that are for LGBTQ, for straight men, for straight women or for women and for men, you know? Um, and so it's really interesting to me that, this topic, I think in some ways it's helpful for it to be an outside issue, but at the same time, it's like, it's really, really, you know, I've been going to a trans meeting lately, a trans non-binary meeting because I identify as non-binary and, um, I love going to this meeting cause I like, I've been talking about pronouns lately and, you know, every, a lot of non-binary people have the experience of being improperly pronounced. Um, and so it was just really cool to get to share in a meeting and just literally be like, I would not share in any other meeting about that topic in right. that way, because to me, that would be an outside issue. But even if I went to my regular LGBTQ meeting, but if I, especially if I was in a, you know, just a straight up meeting, just like an open meeting for all the peoples, I would not be like, and then I was being mispronounced and da, 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 da. And then I had to write, you know, I would, I would say something else. I would like probably just like work an anonymity around it. Um, because also I think that it protects you from being judged honestly by other people. Like it just removes things that people want to like categorize as good or bad. Um, or at least distracting. I mean, yeah, have feelings around. You can say, oh, I'm, about, oh, let's yeah. think about their partnership now and what does it totally. look like. Totally. Oh, that person's what? Like, oh, I can't understand. You know, it's like, no, I'm just, I was having an issue standing up for myself is what it was, right? And like <laughs> getting people to be like, hey, I'm like, yo, this is my name. Like, this is what you call me. And like, this is the pronouns you use. Like, that's just me standing up for myself. Um, so... It's yeah, but I've heard you like talk yeah. about when you're really sharing in an open meeting, and I don't do this. Um, you'll say my part, my significant other, and you'll say, and this person said this, and this I person do. felt I keep you're very, you're very anonymous. You take it all the way, Charlie. Oh. I don't know if, if you've ever felt like that was necessary, or it was an experience that resonated with you, or if you appreciate that in other people, just as we're looking at this issue. Um, I think that I, I can, yeah, I, I can, I can definitely appreciate, um, appreciate what it is, but I almost find that as distracting, you know, as far as like, (laughs) I love this feedback, you know, it's like, okay. So, you know, um, (laughs) sure. You know, like no. your mind's trying to fill in the blanks anyway or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. And then it's like, well, that's, you know, 
that's an odd thing to hide. You know, that, mm. yeah, that's an odd thing to, mm. I guess, I don't know, it kind of goes through my head and um, it just, um, yeah, for me, it doesn't, It, I'm not that um, affected really by that. And I, do, I don't, I don't necessarily, like there, there are far more things that I feel are um that have more of a that, that I'm more careful around that have more of an impact around sort of like being careful about as far as um and mm-hmm. uh goes and that one just kind of like I don't know it's not like my job you know it's not like it's something I am it's not something I do mm. in a sense and so that's an interesting distinction yeah it's also like not a choice yeah yeah that's really fascinating i really love that that's helpful for me hmm i wonder though since we are working on outside issues today do would you be comfortable going into i mean you've said you said multiple times in your lead um that you were sort of deconstructing an identity you built and um you were sort of relooking at some things. Is, is there more you could share about how that's being deconstructed and mm. maybe how programs are being used to do that and, and where that might be headed? Uh, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and decon- deconstructing identity, you know, is, is, is kind of, is something that that's happened as far as, you know, things like, um, how do I think of myself as a son? How do I think of myself as a, you know, as a, as a husband? How do I think of myself as, you know, a coworker, you know, these kinds of things and how those have shifted over time in so much as, um, previously before kind of working, working the steps previously, so much of my identity in those roles was about uh, protecting my place, protecting myself, you know, a bit of a a defensive approach um, as opposed to being myself or kind Mm -hmm. of, or, or being, you know, the son that I would like to be. It was more about how do I defend my, or, you know, carve out my space in this family sort of things. And so, there's a piece for me where some of it, some of deconstruction is just letting go. Most of deconstruction, I think, is just letting go. But there, you know, even letting go is a bit of a death. You know, there's a loss mm-hmm. and grief. And so there's a there's also an act of releasing and 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 taking you know, um, what do I mean to say? Killing off, you know, is, is one piece of it, which, which it's kind of the deconstructing piece feels like. And even if that killing off is just letting it drop and letting it fall and walking away from it, it, there's still a demise happening. Um, and so anyway, deconstruction and how finding that some of it is like finding the things that I have done uh, or series of things, like a sequence of things that I do that then become, feel like an identity. You know, it's like I, I respond this way, I I take care of, or however you want to think of it, which then becomes my identity. Like I am the caretaker. That is an identity that is built around the steps or the acts of taking care of. And if I do it enough and I'm consistent enough, then it becomes an identity. And mm. by dropping those acts, I am changing an identity i'm sh- i'm shifting an identity um or aspects of my identity it takes more time obviously for it to manifest in an identity as opposed to just you know just for the day i'm not going to do that it takes a lot of those days in a row before it's not who i am anymore um so anyway how i'm working that around sexuality it's a great question I think right now I'm in the pause, you know, that's a, uh, I don't think I'm even using it in the cliched way, but I, what I mean by that is I'm not sort of fiercely moving in one direction or another. I do, I'm doing a lot more observing of just like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't do such and such. 
Um, like I didn't take his hand or I didn't drop his hand or I did take his hand mm. and I didn't just stay over here on my side of the couch or I, you know, um, I hugged him from behind when he was cooking. Um, and right now what I'm doing is I think having a little bit of distance between me and those, those behaviors so that I'm observing and observing how they affect me and how they affect him and how they affect us. And right now, <laughs> you know, right now during COVID there, there's nobody else around us to, <laughs> you know, know how it's affecting them or to know how their reaction affects me or them or him or us or whatever. Mm. So um, I'm not sure if I'm sort of getting, I'm getting at your question. Mm, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're both, we're Gen Xers, basically. Claire's a little, little younger than me, um, but I think there was such a sense of, um, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm cis or whatever that word is, or whatever. I yeah, don't know. You, I don't know if I identify with that. I don't, okay. I don't. Okay. The whole concept, and we could debate the whole concept, but the um, if in the context of the definitions, I'm cis. Um, and so there, I think for our age group, and I don't know if you feel this way, there was such a sense of like, okay, well, I'm, I'm queer and that's aberrant, but I want the same thing. It's like, I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to have a house. Like some of these like wants and looks and feels, and then we got to do some of them. And there was such a way of like, I don't know, feeling safe or feeling normative or something, somehow escaping our own, my own self-loathing or whatever in, in those kinds of traditional roles that you talked a lot about traditional roles and that's why I'm bringing it up. Um, and, and, uh, and I think, yeah, well, you know, that, you know, that was something I had to deconstruct and as well, you know, I understand that. Speaking generationally, you know, I was, I was coming out during the AIDS crisis and that, and that too. So, yeah. There was this whole other um, degree of like monogamy being the salvation of of gay people, or you know, particularly, I guess, gay men. To, to to in my experience, anyway, and so it was like if you, you know, taking that path was like a life saving kind of choice and then there was this self-righteousness in that this like holier than thou in that where we were you know in our in our minds or whatever like oh well um you know we'll be treated differently because we're not as promiscuous or risky Mm. or whatever like we'll get more respect because we're actually Mm -hmm you know, whatever. And it was all bullshit. Nobody got more respect. It didn't matter. We were all, you know, we were all faggots and, uh, it didn't matter, um, what your, you know, individual choices were around that, except like within the community, within the community, there was this like, Oh, anyway, my point is, is just like generationally as well, what you're talking about that, that heteronormative, um, more conservative or, or, or traditional roles, um, which we thought would buy us some, some cachet did not in any, any you know, way, any real way. Yeah. And I think, you know, on some level, at least for me with program, right. We're bringing it back to program. It was such a, such a good, you know, when we, we t- a lot of people talk about like that outward appearance, and how things are different on the inside. And we, I think through Al-Anon, I've learned to merge those two things. And I think you're kind of alluding to that in your share about this deconstruction, but the outward appearance, the separation between the outward appearance and the inner identity um, growing up in alcoholism for me, at least created, you know, such a, a space and that externally view, like the thing you're talking about, which is mixed in right with AIDS and with time and the, the generations and all that stuff. Um, it created a really, like a really strive, like a thing you could strive towards. Like we're, I'm just, I'm going to be just like everyone else. I just happen to be gay and then you'll accept me. And um, I don't know the merger of that might, and maybe that's something you're alluding to might be breaking down some of those barriers. Um, you know? Yeah. It's that, that um, it's a very slow process to come to want to, to merge those the inside and the outside, or, or I guess authenticity really 
um, to sort of genuinely come to one's own sense of identity in any part of themselves, um, you know, it, it does take a lot of quiet time, I think. You, one doesn't come bursting out, you know, as they're sort of, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I have never been able to sort of come bursting out as my true self, all done, <laughs> ached and all of those things. So. I think that's, I mean, in one way, shape or form, right? It's interesting, like, I, in many, many, many ways, have been very true to my sexual identity um, and sexual preferences. Like, as I understood them, as I came to understand them and understand myself, very much pre-program. But I would just, I was, I also grew up in a home that was really accepting of and encouraging of me to be myself in lots and lots of different ways. Um, and in that way, I think I, I've actually, I've had the experience of encouraging and helping other people to come out literally and figuratively um, as themselves in their sexuality and sexual identity. But in many ways, I'm, I am, I mean, like right now with, with career and passion, um, I'm really just starting to be myself. And I think that this is so it's just such an important conversation and topic. And as it relates to program and as it relates to outside issues, you know, I really think that in our meetings, um, it's important to not bring outside issues into things again, you know, depending on your particular meeting and, and all of those things, you know, this may not be an outside issue. Um, but like, thank God for fellowship and sponsorship and, and all of the in-between and outreach calls and all that, because it is within the specifics of looking at these things for me and using the tools of the program, all the tools of the program that I'm able to be my greatest self, be the person I've always wanted to be. And yeah, like it, it, it wasn't interestingly enough for me, my, but I mean, for all of the reasons stated, you know, and it makes so much sense to me hearing more of your story, Charlie, like why that's, um, it's coming for you now. It's, it's coming to fruition for you now in the way that it is, you know, it makes complete sense. And it's like, for me, it's just, it's a different thing, but I think I would be surprised if anyone in program was like, well, yeah, I just, you know, everything, I mean, that's why we're the, that's why we're here to learn who we are, to learn about ourselves, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. The greatest gift and challenge of the program in my experience is, is that exact thing is, uh, you know, well, learning well, and accepting and the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a program of self-love and self-worth, right? And, and I think if you're coming up with, with all the issues you have in alcoholism or growing up in alcoholism potentially, and then to add sexuality to it mm-hmm. is another layer, but another layer of learning to self-love to me. However, yeah. my question to you, Charlie, would be, do you think that having to question inherently from the get, right, from puberty on, like the reality of the situation allows you, I mean, you can only speak to yourself, you don't have to speak for all queer people, um, the ability to kind of <laughs> enter this program and navigate this program maybe with some more openness and some more, I don't know, searching. I, there's something spiritually searching about this uh, about this program, and I feel like if you've already had to search, I wonder if you feel that's relevant to your recovery. Um, yeah, definitely, and I'm, I'm happy to speak for all queer people. Um <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, but for me, uh, yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, I think that um, long before I became grateful for the alcoholics in my life for giving me the opportunity to learn more about who I am and make more deliberate choices about how to be in the world, mm-hmm. uh, I was very grateful for the fact that I was gay in a homophobic nation uh, for that that opportunity as well, to be looking at things, to have an openness to things that many people that I grew up around and I knew much of my life just couldn't even fathom, just couldn't even see 
on the other side of their perspective of their life of of every of uh so being kind of you know almost forced into an alternative lifestyle you know really um opened so many um options to me even though you know at the at the core of my existence there's still that very you know all of those lessons that i learned the unspoken rules of of my family around what love is and what sex is for and what sex is and what family is and all of those things are still you know hanging on and everything but absolutely i think that the um searching and 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 finding you know places to search and safe havens to search and and explore and people to trust in that shared journey um absolutely prepared me for you know some profession and helping professions you know before i moved to california and that helped prepare me for ways that i was going to be able to participate in al-anon and in this philosophy and uh you know embody and and bring to my to my life this philosophy um and absolutely being gay was part of that, that exploration and openness and, you know, flexing those muscles early on of like, well, then who the fuck am I? You know, and, and what does that mean? And what is good and what is bad and what is, you know, I had to, you know, come up with those things on my own. Um, this time around, I, I'm again having to come up with those things on my own, just with a little more experience and a little more um you know community and and this is a community with with less kind of fear attached to it because there was always fear of rejection abandonment death um you know competition you know all of these things that were really really rampant in my early you know gay communities coming out during the aids epidemic etc that um this community in in Al-Anon is a much gentler laboratory to kind of go through all of that. That's great. I really, um, I really relate to that. And I'm sure a lot of listeners will. Um, well, now's sort of the time in the hour when we would read something. And I think Claire has something prepared relating to this topic, which is really tradition 10, right, Claire? Corey, that's correct. <laughs> You, I'm very delicious tonight. You hit the nail on the head, as they say. Um, yeah, you know, I think this is so. It's it's lovely that we've been kind of pondering this. Like, is it an outside issue? Is it not? And I will be reading from the book Paths to Recovery: Al-Anon Steps, Traditions and concepts it's um that like creamy looking book with the blue font on it um and in here we have tradition 10 and tradition 10 reads the Alanon family groups have no opinion on outside issues hence our name ought never be drawn into public controversy and i'm gonna read a little bit about that all of Alanon's traditions, including Tradition 10, keep us unified in one purpose, helping families and friends of alcoholics. Tradition 10 specifically reminds us that no matter what the cause, Alanon's name ought never be drawn into public controversy. The reason is simple. Outside issues can divert us from our primary spiritual aim. Members are always free to act as individuals in favor of their own personal causes, as long as they keep Al-Anon's name out of it. Our fellowship could be severely damaged without our willing adherence to Tradition 10. The spiritual practice underlying it is live and let live. Realizing how important and vital our main aim is to the millions who still suffer, we guard it by voluntarily not talking about groups stands on public issues, other beliefs, or outside issues, no matter how worthy. We might ask how we determine whether something is an outside issue. I mean, gosh, that's what we've been asking this whole episode. How do we determine what an outside issue is? 
Elamon does not prepare lists of controversies to avoid. It would be impossible, for they arise daily and range from issues of national or international concern to timely local topics. If we're unsure whether or not something is an outside issue, we might apply the following questions to it. Does it fall within Al-Anon's single purpose to help families and friends of alcoholics? Does my group, as a group, have a stake in this issue? Might discussions of this matter result in involvement in a public controversy? There are many issues and problems in our society related to alcoholism. Al-Anon takes part in healing social problems by helping people help themselves to find their own solutions by grieving them the emotional support, sorry, by giving them the emotional support and spiritual strengths they need to solve their problems. To do this for the largest number of people, we need to avoid taking stands on specific programs, institutions, legal remedies, or religious beliefs, working for specific outcomes on outside issues is fine for us as individuals. As Al-Anon groups, we have no opinion on them, and we leave discussions of them outside the door. The best solution for our situation might be very different for one, for one of us to the other. By sharing our experience, strength, and hope, we demonstrate how bad situations can be made better. Yeah. What are, what are both of your thoughts on that? Corey? <laughs> uh, um, well, first of all, I was waiting for my guests because I'm a host. Um, How kind of you. Okay. But Corey, before you start, I just want to say this was on page 220 and then the very first top paragraph of 221. That's all. Thank you. And yeah, really, I was just waiting for someone to ask me my opinion. Um, so, well, the first question is, I mean, there's part of me every time I read this, I'm like, is this podcast in total violation of Tradition 10? Um, Members are always free to act as individuals in favor of their own personal causes. I don't know. We're not favoring a personal cause. It's just recovery. I feel good about it. I don't care. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really by the end, you know, we have no opinion. We have no opinion on them. Like, we have no opinion on sexuality, right? And um, the best solutions for one situation might be different from the best for another, right? So, like, the, situation, the solutions presumably for a woman with four kids who's heterosexual might be very different than my solutions. Right. Um, and therefore we have no opinion on, you know, where she lives or what her sexual life is or whether she's married or not married or I'm married or not married or what have you, or if she's a she. Um, so I don't know. I think it's one of the best parts about the program, right? Like you really can't have an opinion about me. I mean, you can, but it's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And you're in theory supposed to welcome me. I mean, in theory, right? Like, this is an interesting question. This is not, I, first of all, I'm not conflating this with homosexuality, but like, is everyone welcome, right? Like would a skinhead Nazi be welcome as long as they weren't brandishing Nazi paraphernalia and wanted to share about Al-Anon and the recovery of like being a Nazi? I don't know. Like, where does it draw the line? And I feel like we have no opinion about socialism or, nazism or you know what i mean like it's i wonder where i I just think this is so powerful and that the root the root issue of that person whomever they are is still we have a shared experience even if we're completely different people and don't agree on anything i don't mean to get so extreme about it but i you know you know what i mean no i think you're so right charlie go please no, yeah, uh, totally right. I think that you know part of you know part of the thought that I had was how do we know that you know I haven't been holding hands saying the Serenity Prayer with a Nazi? You know, how do I know yeah. that that's that's true? Because we don't have that litmus test coming in, and in fact, part of part of our literature talks about how the more diverse the the group is, the more helpful we can be, mm-hmm. and that. We welcome that without, you know, without necessarily saying one is better than the other. I think, you know, you know, we're in, we're the circle, not the ladder, kind of thing. Um, so that there's room 
for all and we're not condemning one or the, over the other. I mean, I've definitely been in meetings and had cringing responses to th- some things that people are saying, but you know, the beauty of the program is I keep it to myself. Like I grow that way. I I learn to become more accepting of other viewpoints than mine when I am challenged to hear them in a way that isn't like in my face about it. It's somebody sharing their experience. It's somebody sharing their life. And I can sit there going, oh my God, you did that or whatever, (laughs) whatever. But that's my internal reaction. It's not like sanctioned by Al-Anon and then that person has to leave or anything like that. And, you know, I, you know, I, I do that with, you know, somebody going over time or something. I'm like, wait, wait, stop talking, stop talking. (laughs) That's how I I feel through I yeah, I mean, it, it is extreme. It is extreme, but I also think like there's going to if you. I, we, first of all, I should say that all three of us met in a meeting in Hollywood, California, right? Yeah. So our political <laughs> circle is probably pretty safe in in context of our agreement <clears> that even if we were discussing an outside issue, but you know, if you were a gay person in I don't know some really other some other area of the country, which I'm not even going to name one because that would just be mean, um, you know, sure. maybe maybe those people do view that behavior as, as abhorrent as we might view some other behavior, like a political, the political organization I just mentioned. So the anonymity, the safety of that anonymity, you know, there probably are people who need to need to share and not bring up their sexuality in order to be, to feel more accepted in those circles. We just don't, we haven't been, we've been privileged to not be in that situation, but I imagine. I've, I've gone to meetings in different places in the country where I'm very heightened aware of yeah, that definitely. I get to choose to not say anything about that. I mean, I'll cater my share to be more about not my romantic relationship, you know, because that's what's safe. It's interesting to do that in a meeting where I believe is the place where I – I don't like to use the word should, but I go to Al-Anon to feel safe. You know, I go to Al-Anon to learn how to bring safety to myself. Like that's a big part of Al-Anon for me. And so if I don't feel safe in a meeting or feel like I can't share about something, but at the same time, like that's just me thinking that I'm in a meeting where people wouldn't accept me, you know? So it's like mm-hmm. letting and then checking something like my sexual identity at the door and just being like, you know what? I don't need to do that in this meeting, but I still want the recovery is still me be also like being in the place of the 10th tradition, like really, really practicing the 10th tradition because I, I'm getting to go in and like, um, you know, what is the phrase? It's like, uh, uh Oh, for, for the, you know, greater, serving the greater purpose, which is to help friends, you know, and families of alcoholics. That is the primary purpose of this program. That's the number one purpose of this program. And so it's like, when I get to remember that and go in, I don't have to, I don't have to judge them for maybe judging me either. Yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of what you guys are talking about. That's the beautiful, you know, I can, I can, um, close my eyes, bow my head and hold hands while others say the Lord's prayer. Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. Stand in the back and cross my arms and glare at people while they're (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I get the, I get I get the recovery from that. I get the sense of belonging for that, even though I'm not saying the same words or want to say the same words or even care to hear the same words. But I know that we are a spiritual program and this is an expression for some people Mm -hmm. and it's important to them and it means something very deep to them. And I can, I can, I can witness that and be alongside of that and honor that difference. 
know, and it's all non approved literature. And if you don't like it, you can have your meeting, get rid of it. I was just going to say that. I was just (laughs) going to say that, which is so fucking awesome. I said, fuck again, people, because it is, it's so awesome. (laughs) It's, It's just like, oh yeah. Like I could go to that meeting once I could go one time and then go to the secretary after the meeting and say, Hey, I'd like to put a motion for the next business meeting that the Lord's prayer is removed because to me that is specific from specific religion here it is and is and i want to put a motion on the table that it's not you know we don't use that that prayer in this meeting i can go to one meeting and go go if it was a group of very quote-unquote christian people who felt that was important they could vote it in that's right and they could say nope it's here that group that's for the group that's right and then i get to go to another group i get to go oh man this isn't the group for me that's okay Yeah. yeah Yeah, it is interesting to me that that's Alan on approved literature, but that's a topic for another time because um, <laughs> it is the Lord's Prayer. But, you know, well, well, we do know that it is OK to be gay the Alan on way. We <laughs> 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 you know nothing else. Thank you so much for coming on today, Charlie, and sharing um, about this topic. Oh, thank Honestly. you having me and letting me and listening to me and indulging me well that's all the time we have to today so um keep coming back everybody keep coming back it it works works if you work it and you're fucking worth it you're worth it and you're worth it and you're worth it you are yes you're worth it too that's right 